Well, a new year has just begun, and that means we're all thinking about goals and hopes and resolutions. Honestly, most of that's useless. Most resolutions fail. But if you really want to change your life for the better this year, there's one thing you could do that would have a massive impact. Hey friends, I'm Mark Allen Shelsky, and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about learning how to live life with Jesus. This is episode 11, Gratitude Can Save Your Life. We're in the first few days of a new year. That means the holiday season's finally over. We're probably down to the last few crumbs of Christmas dessert uh, on the kitchen counter. Thanksgiving leftovers are long gone. And for a few days there, it was the cultural thing to think about gratitude. Maybe at Thanksgiving at your meal, you even went around the table and everyone named off things they were thankful for. Then the rest of the holiday season came like a runaway train, Black Friday and decorating the house and a near infinite number of invitations to Christmas parties and Christmas performances. And finally, we were all off to celebrate Christmas and then New Year's. And in the rush of all of that, we left thankfulness behind. Most of us don't think deeply about gratitude. When we were kids, we were taught, right? Say thank you, you know, when somebody helps you or serves you or gives you something. It's just part of being polite to say thank you. Something so basic doesn't need much further thought, right? Now that's too bad, because gratitude is the cornerstone for healthy spirituality. Not only that, it's incredibly good for us. I mean that in a literal, tangible, measurable way. I mean, if you were to adopt some gratitude practices today, it would literally change your experience of this new year. It might even save your life. Now, maybe this comes as a surprise, but clinical studies are beginning to document the positive impact gratitude has on our day-to-day lives. In 2002, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology published a study, wrote it up in an article called The Grateful Disposition, a Conceptual and Empirical Topography. Great name, right? You'd pull that off the shelf. But what happened was they conducted a simple survey of their participants to determine if these people felt and expressed gratitude regularly. And then they scored the statements of their participants to create a gratitude index. And then they compared that number with a whole bunch of other data that they gathered that measured psychological health, physical health, religious practice, spiritual beliefs, and relational connectedness. So what did they discover? Let me read you just a little bit from their findings. Quote, We found that compared to their less grateful counterparts, grateful people are higher in positive emotion and life satisfaction and lower in negative emotions. They appear to be more socially oriented, more empathetic, forgiving, helpful, and supportive than their less grateful counterparts. In addition, grateful people are less focused on material goods. Finally, they tend to be more spiritually and religiously minded. They score higher not only on measures of traditional religiousness, but also on non-sectarian measures of spiritual experiences, such as a sense of contact with the divine power. That's all from their paper reporting the results. Pretty impressive, right? Gratitude's directly linked to higher life satisfaction, more positive emotions, more positive relationships. Who doesn't want those things? I do. If practicing gratitude could bring me more of that, more positive emotion, more greater life satisfaction, more sense of contact with the divine, that would be time well spent, right? Now, of course, you could say that if people have more positive life experiences, then of course they'll be more grateful. I mean, maybe they just have more gratitude because they got dealt a better hand. I mean, I'd be more grateful too if better things were happening to me. Are you thinking that? 
Well, more and more studies are asking exactly that question. Is gratitude just the result of good experiences, or can it in some way actually bring about good experiences? One study from the psychology department of Bowling Green University looked at gratitude and mental health. They found that both Christian and Jewish subjects who engaged in regular practices of gratitude, like recording things they were thankful for in a journal, were less likely to develop anxiety and depression. Now, if that's true, do you understand what that means? It means something as simple as writing things down that you're thankful for can literally change our brain chemistry. That's amazing. And then in 2015, the American Psychological Association published a study from the University of California called The Role of Gratitude in Spiritual Well-Being in Asymptomatic Heart Failure Patients. All right, so here's the situation. Everyone in this study was developing serious heart disease. Most of them had recently gotten their prognosis and it wasn't good. And the question of this study was, what impact would regular exercises of gratitude have on the course of their disease? Here's one statement from this study after reviewing the results. Gratitude and spiritual well-being are key positive factors to consider in this population. We documented that gratitude is related to better mood and sleep, less fatigue, more self-efficacy in treatment, and, get this, lower cellular inflammatory index. Okay, the skeptic in me can write off things like better mood as subjective. And you could say that things like higher self-efficacy in treatment, that's participating in your treatment, that could just be temperamental, right? Some people's personalities, they're better at participating in that stuff. But lower cellular inflammation? That's objectively measurable. So here, gratitude, not just the emotion, but the tangible practice was shown to reduce cellular inflammation, which we believe is a significant cause of disease. That blows my mind. Are you ready to sign up yet? The most well-known gratitude researcher is a man named Robert Emons. He's been studying the effects of gratitude and gratitude practices for a long time, more than a decade, and ongoing studies involving more than a thousand people tracked over time. This guy's the expert. His studies have shown tangible results that honestly stop me in my tracks. Stronger immune system, less reported aches and pains, lower blood pressure, higher motivation to exercise and take care of one's body, deeper, longer, more effective sleep, higher levels of positive emotion, more mental alertness, more reported joy, pleasure, optimism, and happiness, not to mention dramatic improvements in relationship and less reported feelings of loneliness and isolation. Okay, so is gratitude the miracle cure for nearly everything that ails us? I mean, clearly, this is something we ought to be taking seriously. Being grateful and practicing thankfulness are recurring subjects in Scripture. They occur in hundreds of verses in both the Old and New Testament. Being thankful to God is one of the most frequent themes of the Psalms. Thanking God and giving thanks is mentioned in nearly every one of Paul's letters. In fact, the instruction to be thankful or give thanks shows up in Scripture 37 times total. And that's, maybe surprisingly, one more than the number of times Scripture tells us to be holy. Why does it come up so often? Probably because we need it. The world that we live in, the culture that has formed us, is at its core ungrateful. We continually measure others by some standard of merit. Who deserves what, we ask constantly, right? Who deserves God's grace? Who deserves God's forgiveness? Who deserves that promotion at work? Who deserves a million views on YouTube? Who deserves healthcare and citizenship? We want the world to be a meritocracy. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. We want the world to function as a meritocracy where we get to help define the standard of merit. 
Merit is so compelling because it's a way to document and validate worth. We're all desperate to establish our own worth, so we turn all manner of measurable things into standards of merit. If you have a certain number of dollars in your bank account, or followers on your social media platform, or books to your credit, you pass the standard. If you perform according to the purity rules of your religious group, or your political tribe, or your family culture, then you meet the standard. Essentially, we live like we believe this. Do the right thing, look the right way, have the right stuff, and you deserve good things to come your way. But here's the insidious consequence of this belief, this way of living. If we can prove that we deserve the good that comes to us, then we have no reason at all to be grateful. I suspect this is why sometimes we're a bit uncomfortable with gratitude. We don't like to be in debt to other people. We don't want to acknowledge that whatever we've built is contingent, whether it's a business or a reputation or a retirement account or even a perspective we've come to through hard study and mental work. We don't like to accept that what we have is dependent on other people. One of the most precious myths of the modern American culture is the bootstrapper. You know, that person who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, maybe they started their business in their garage all by themselves without depending on anyone else and rose to power and influence and wealth. But that story is a myth. Every time, it's never true. You never did the whole thing all by yourself without needing the support of others or without needing work that others had done before you. Sometimes what we built is dependent on the generosity of others, people who've just shared with us. Sometimes what we've built is dependent on the exploitation of others. Sometimes we actively exploit by taking advantage of other people, you know, just because it's the common business practice or the law allows it. Sometimes we passively exploit by participating in systems where we benefit at other people's expense. Sometimes what we've built is dependent on collaboration or access given to us by someone like a mentor. Sometimes what we've built is dependent on learning from someone else who did the hard work or the hard thinking before we even came along. We're just building on their shoulders. And most of us don't like to acknowledge this stuff. We don't like the reality that our entire lives come to us as a gift. Our profound need to feel worthy drives us to believe that we build all that ourselves through our hard work and our ingenuity. And because we put in the hours or the pain or the effort, well, we deserve all the good that we have. Or maybe we feel bitter because we believe we haven't gotten what we deserve. And so gratitude can be a tough thing for us because real gratitude requires acknowledging that the good we have came to us from outside ourselves. Real gratitude is an acknowledgement of grace. Now we're to the heart of things. This is precisely why gratitude is such a crucial part of spiritual growth, because gratitude is the fundamental awareness that we depend on grace. We live because our parents sacrifice their lives, their time, their money, sometimes even their dreams to protect and provide for us. That's grace. We get to do good work in the world because other people trained us or mentored us or shared their experience with us when they didn't have to. That's grace. We know the things we know because before us, other people have explored and wondered and experimented and written. None of us had to invent fire or the wheel or how to remove a burst appendix, thank God. That's grace. We wake up every morning 
because a new day dawns, completely outside of our control. Our lungs breathe in air, our brains process chemicals and electricity, our hearts pump blood, and all with no regard for what we deserve. That new day, entirely grace. And then add one more thing to all of that. The story about God and humanity that we find in the life and teaching of Jesus is a story entirely about grace. Grace is God's posture towards humanity. Grace originated in the Trinity. It exploded into creation. It defines God's long-suffering patience. It motivated the incarnation. It was embodied in the life, teaching, and death of Jesus Christ. Grace rescues us from a way of living defined by self-centered, self-justifying, selfishness and sin, and it plants us in a new kingdom, a new way of living, defined by other-centered, co-suffering love. Following Jesus has led me to believe that in Christ, God sees us as beloved, as included, welcoming us into the Trinity's never-ending, never-failing eternal dance of love. That means grace is everything. It means grace is the nature of reality. So answer me this. When we encounter grace, unmerited favor like I've been describing, and let it seep into our minds and hearts, what's our natural response? Gratitude, of course, gratitude. Grace flows to us and we respond with gratitude. Gratefulness is simply seeing what's true. That's why gratitude is the best marker of spiritual growth. Spiritual maturity is about coming to live more and more in alignment with what is ultimately true. When we begin to see that reality is fundamentally grace, it rewrites the story that shapes us. Instead of finding ourselves defined by the stories of lack or alienation or fear or insufficiency that our merit-panicked world inculcates us with, something unexpected happens. Grace bursts in from the outside of that system and upends it. Grace undermines and contradicts our meritocracies. Grace tells us that all of life is a gift. And our response to that has got to be gratitude. That means gratitude is how we align ourselves with reality. And it turns out, living in alignment with reality has the power to make your life better, even when it comes to things like blood pressure and sleep and cellular inflammation. May you step into the new year profoundly aware of the gifts you've been given. And may you discover and engage the power of gratitude so that this year can be the best one you've lived yet. Thanks for listening. Now, this podcast is a relatively new thing for me, and I'm really enjoying it. I haven't put a lot of time and effort into marketing it. I've just been focusing on learning how to do it. But even so, I'm so thankful for the encouragement that you've been to me. The feedback that I've gotten on the topics and on the presentation and all of that, you've been hugely encouraging. Now, this month, we broke 3,500 downloads. Now, in the podcast universe, that's not a lot, but for me, just getting started, it's unbelievably exciting that 3,500 people have downloaded this or watched it on YouTube. That's really cool. To celebrate that, I wanna do a giveaway. Here's how it's gonna go. I've got two books out presently, Discovering Your Authentic Core Values, which is a little step-by-step -step guide for greater focus in your life, and The Wisdom of Your Heart, which is about the crucial relationship between emotional maturity and spiritual growth both books that can help you live a better life. Now, I'm going to give a signed copy of each of these books to the first 10 people who share this podcast with their friends on social media. Here's how it'll go down. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, that's the two places I'll check. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, make a post sharing this podcast. 
You can share any episode of the podcast or you can share the podcast page from my website. Pick one and share it. And in the post, tell your friends why you think this podcast is worth checking out. And then tag me in the post. On Twitter, I'm at Shelsky. And on Facebook, I'm Mark Allen Shelsky. Tag me. That'll let me find the post. That'll help me to see that you did it. And then I will reach out to the first 10 of those that I see on Facebook or Twitter. And I will have uh, two signed books on their way to you. So this will be a fun celebration of our first 3,500 downloads and a great way to kick off this brand new year, 2019, inviting other people to listen in. Now, if you'd like to talk about this episode with me or with other people on the same kind of journey, or if you'd like to find encouragement for growing in your intentional spiritual life, I want to invite you to consider joining the Apprenticeship Lab member community. This is a very concrete way you can prepare your heart for growth this year. This is a private and safe community that I lead for the kinds of conversations that lead to spiritual growth and maturity. It's just eight bucks a month. That small contribution gets you access to a private, small community of people on the same journey. You get access to me, I'm there. We talk about the journey, uh, life questions, spiritual and scriptural questions. Plus you get a bunch of other stuff. 30 short videos for daily inspiration to kick off your year right. Uh, monthly spiritual life Q&A, access to some online courses for spiritual growth, and I'm always adding new things designed to help you learn how to live your life with Jesus. And honestly, it's also a great way to support the work that I do, which allows me to make more material like this. And of course, uh, you'll find the show notes for today's episode, including all the scriptures and the links I just mentioned at www.markallenshelsky.com forward slash TAW011, episode 11. So until next time, remember this, in this one present moment, you are loved, you are known, and you are not alone.